Welcome to the Legacy Nashville Podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, and once you find... Matthew chapter 6. Go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to honor the Word of God and read it out loud all together. We're going to read verses 9 through 13 today in Matthew 6. But in Luke 11 chapter 1, we've read this every week. Luke 11 chapter 1, uh, cha- chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, I don't know what Jesus was praying on that particular night in that particular place, but I know that the disciples were listening in. They were eavesdropping on Jesus's intimacy with his father. And as a result of listening to him pray, they were stirred up to a greater hunger to pray themselves. And so that's been my prayer request. Jesus, I want to listen to you pray. If the Apostle Paul said that you are seated at the right hand of the Father and that you are interceding for the saints day and night, could I possibly just nestle in like John the Beloved and listen to whatever it is that you are praying because I want an impartation from you personally to pray more like you. I I, I want to be a better prayer warrior. How about you? Amen. Well, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says this, Pray then like this. Let's read it all together. Our in hallowed be your name. Now, let's stop right there real quick. By praying our Father, we're acknowledging who we are, his sons, his daughters, and who he is. He is our Father, not just my Father. This is a relational prayer, but it's not just about my relationship with him. It's about our relationship with Him. And we're praying, hallowed be your name. What does that mean? It means, God, I want your name to be regarded as holy in me and in my world. It's the first prayer request of the Lord's Prayer. Let's continue. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that tell us? That means that our father is not just some ordinary dad, but he is a king and he has a kingdom and he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords and where he rules and reigns, his perfect will is accomplished all the time. But where we live here in the earth, his perfect will is not accomplished all the time. So by praying your kingdom come and your will be done, on the earth as it is in heaven, is a prayer of subjectivity. We are subjecting ourselves to the rule and reign of the King of Kings and saying, Lord, you come be Lord of my life and be Lord of my world. It's a scary prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. I'll be honest. Verse 11 says this. Let's read it together. Give us this hour. We're completely dependent upon him for everything. And forgive us our as we also have forgiven our, that means we need to forgive other people as quickly as we expect God to forgive us. And here's the last one, verse 13. And lead who? And lead who? Not into, but who? Us. Not just me, right? Not just you, but us from 
or the evil one. So lastly, let's read verse 13 one more time all together. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's where we're going to hang the nail today. And I'm going to talk to you from the subject of how to handle temptation. How to handle temptation, all right? Lord, thank you for your word. It is so faithful to transform us. We come before it humbly today asking for seed to be sown into our spiritual lives. Holy Spirit, water the seed. Grant a hundredfold fruitfulness today so that we might be transformed more into the image of Jesus, whom we love. And we thank you, Jesus, for loving us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. You can be seated. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We've spent, I think it's been five weeks now in this uh, scripture passage. And uh, what we've noticed over the last number of weeks is that there are six petitions in the Lord's prayer. And by petitions, I mean prayer request. There are six prayer requests embedded in the Lord's Prayer, and today what we're doing is we're studying the final petition of the Lord's Prayer, a prayer request, not only on our own behalf, but on behalf of the entire church, saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I believe that this prayer request is one that we may not pray very often, but one that I believe that the church should pray more. Do you agree? I know it's hard to admit that we go through temptations. I know it's hard to admit that there may be some moments where we feel surrounded by evil, but this prayer request that Jesus gives us and teaches us to pray is a prayer request that I believe we, as his sons and saints, need to be praying more often whether we realize we need it or not. This prayer request is kind of like two sides to the same coin, all right? So it's more of like a two-in-one type prayer request. The first side, the A side of this prayer request is lead us not into temptation. Everybody say temptation. That's the first side of the coin. But the second side of the coin is this, but deliver us from evil. Everybody say the evil one. Because if you look it up in the Greek, it's personified as Satan. It's not some general evil. It is a very specific personified evil, which is the enemy of our souls, the devil. And so on one side of the prayer request, we are saying, God, I don't want you to lead me into temptation. But on the other side of the prayer request, we're saying, God, but if I'm already there and I'm surrounded by evil, then I want to ask you to get me out of here quickly. That's why Jesus is teaching us to pray this. God, prohibit me, prohibit all of us from moving towards temptation. But if we do find ourselves surrounded by evil, God, please get us out of here. So one part of the prayer is to keep us from going. And the other part of the prayer is to keep us from staying. So say it with me. Say, lead us not, lead us not. and deliver us out. That's this portion of the Lord's Prayer. Lead me not and deliver me out. I don't want to go anywhere close to sin. God, protect me from, from going in that direction. But if I do find myself in sin today, Lord, I am asking you for deliverance. 
Now, remember, the Lord's Prayer is a relational prayer, but it's not just about your relationship with God alone. It's about our relationship with God as a church. And so when Jesus tells us to pray, lead us, us, us not into temptation, you know who that applies to? Everybody in the church. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, us, us. Who does that apply to? Everybody in the church. Now, I know you've come to church today with your, you know, you got your religion going. You're looking good. You're smelling good. You're looking cute in your church clothes. You've come to Sunday service ready to worship the Lord. But the reality is every single believer needs to be able to pray this prayer. Because every single believer goes through temptation. I know it's hard to say amen to this point. But every single believer goes through temptation. And every single believer will find themselves in positions from time to time where they will confess, I am completely surrounded by evil and I am being attacked by Satan himself. Have you ever said that before? Well, that's why Jesus gives us this prayer, this prayer request. And so whenever I say deliverance from evil, don't worry, I'm not talking about demonic possession. I mean, when you are surrounded by evil and you need God to set you free. We've all been there. Perhaps some of you would say, I'm living there right now. And if you haven't visited that place recently, don't worry, life has arranged for you to have a vacation in that place. All right, you're going to get there at some point and you will need to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. This is why we pray this prayer is because unless God prevents us from being tempted, all of us will surely be tempted. This is how dependent you are. And unless God delivers you from evil, every single one of us will be taken by evil. This is how dependent and desperate we are for God's deliverance. Uh, I, even if, you, if you think you've got it all together today, just wait till next week. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, that's why we pray this prayer. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13 says, said it like this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So you, I want you to get this. Temptation is common. Temptation is normal. All right, so let's just normalize temptation. All right, church? I, I know we don't want to do this, right, as a church because we're holy. None of y'all are laughing. I'm, I, eventually, at some point, I'm going to break through. I know that we're very holy people and none of us, it's only the 9 a.m. and it's only the 12.30 p.m. Those people who go to church at those service times are those that get tempted, but not us. We are holy people at the 10.30. I never get tempted. No, I want you to understand that we need to normalize temptation because whenever Jesus tells us to pray us, he means all of us. He means you. He means the person sitting behind you. He means the person sitting in front of you. And you know who else he means? The person preaching to you right now. All of us experience temptation. We will all get tempted and no one is exempt of that. Not even Jesus was exempt of temptation. The Bible tells us that in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who has been 
Y'all read it for me. Has been, has been tempted in every way just as we are. Now, you might be thinking, no, Jesus could not empathize with me, not with my struggle. Even Jesus could not empathize with what it is I'm having to walk through in my life. You don't know about the temptations that I face, Pastor. You don't know about the deep, dark desires in my, hearts that, in my heart that I have to fight every single day. Well, the Bible says that Jesus did know and in fact, he suffered, he, he faced every single temptation that you and I face in every way, and yet what did he do? He had victory over temptation because he never sinned. He never, ever sinned. He, he was tempted in every way, but Jesus never sinned. So if Jesus was tempted, but Jesus never, ever sinned, what does that tell us? I, I, I got some points here for you about temptation. Remember, we're handling temptation. I'm talking about how to, take, how to handle temptation. How do you handle temptation? Here's the first point. Just because you've been tempted does not mean you've sinned. I want somebody to get set free this morning. Just because you are being tempted does not mean that you are sinning. All right? So you don't have to believe that lie anymore from the accuser of the brethren. Just because you've been tempted does not mean you've lost righteousness. Just because you've been tempted does not mean that you need to clothe yourself in shame and guilt and consider yourself to be a worthless sinner that God no longer loves. That is a ploy of the enemy, and it is not true. If it was true, then Jesus would have sinned because Jesus was tempted in every way. But Jesus never sinned, and yet he was tempted in every way. So I want to normalize temptation a little bit so that we can have a right perspective of it. Temptation and sin are not the same thing. When you are tempted, you are not sinning. Somebody's getting set free right now. I know it's quiet, but somebody's getting set free. When you are tempted, you are not sinning. Here's the defini definition of temptation. Pressure to yield to influences that can lead you away from God and into sin. That's what temptation is. When we are tempted, we are being acted upon. But when we are sinning, we are taking action. When you are tempted, it's kind of like getting a phone call, uh, like a spam call. That's what temptation is. You know when it says like, uh, what does it say, spam, scam likely? So that's temptation. It's a scam likely. Right? That's exactly what it is. And what do you do whenever you get the phone call that says scam likely? You don't hit the green button. Does anybody in here hit the green button? I don't, I, no one hits the green button. We all hit the red button. I just heard a story about a hiker who got lost somewhere out in Colorado. And the search committee was searching for him for 24 hours, but he kept declining their calls because it said scam likely. This is a true story. I just saw it this week. As a culture, we hate random anonymous calls. Come on, Christians. So we need to treat temptation in the same way. Yo, scam likely. No thanks, bruh. Block, red, no thanks. Declined. I don't have any interest in accepting your call. Thank you very much. Don't call again. Devil, take me off your call list. Yeah, 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 yeah. So whenever we're tempted, it's like somebody calling our phone, but whenever we're sinning, we're making an intentional decision to do what we know is not right. That's what sin is, all right? So I do think it's possible to sin and not know it. 
all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And so sometimes we, we not only do things wrong, but we neglect to do things right, and that's sin as well. We all need a Savior. But most often when we do sin, church, it's because we are proactively choosing to sin. We are deliberately making a choice. It is a wrong choice to act wrongly. But that's not what temptation is. Temptation is an invitation to sin, but it is not at all an invi- it is not at all a sin in and of itself. All right? It's like getting an RSVP. You know, you come into my wedding. Declined, right? That's what that's what temptation is. It's an RSVP, right? Now, every single one of us are fallible. You know that, right? You're fallible, I'm fallible, all of us are fallible. Uh, we know that's a, even a biblical word, fallible. But do you know what the word fallible means? It means able to fall. Fallible means able to fall. None of us are above sin because none of us are above temptation. This is why Jesus gives us this prayer. And this is why I say that I think we kind of look over this prayer as though we don't need to pray it. But in reality, Jesus says we should pray it every single day. God, don't lead me into temptation. I don't want to be anywhere around temptation. I don't want to walk the path of temptation. And God, if I find myself in the midst of evil, I pray that you get me away from the attack of Satan every single day because all of us are fallible. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20 says this, not a single person on the earth is always good and never sins. So if you thought you were that person... The Bible says, nope, even you, anyone can fall into sin when they are tempted. Anybody except for Jesus. Anybody can fall from sin when they are tempted and nobody is exempt. I think if we would remember that truth, we would carry a little bit more grace for people. Anybody is able to. But you know what I've realized about temptation? And I want to demystify temptation just a little bit this morning. You know what I've realized about temptation is that church people love to pretend that they never get tempted to sin. Have you guys noticed that? It's like if you were to even ask somebody at coffee, hey, do you ever get tempted to sin? Nope. Not me. I'm a, I'm a revivalist. I'm a saint of the most high God. I'm a man of the cloth. What are you talking about here? I'm as pure as the driven snow. I never get tempted. Listen, I'm not asking you if you sin. I'm just asking you if you even get tempted to sin. Absolutely not. No way. I set no evil thing before my my eyes. Ever. No, never. Not a chance. Come on. I think we would do a lot better, church, if we would be a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more authentic, and a little bit more honest about temptation. Uh, Because unfortunately... Uh, Church people love to pretend that they never get tempted by sin, and some of us have been fooled by their faking, unfortunately. And now we've created this church culture where we seem to believe that there are certain saints that could never be tempted. And I'm talking about your favorite preacher, 
Hope me, hopefully that's me, but chances are it's probably not. It's somebody on Instagram, right? I'm talking about your favorite author. I'm talking about the person who wrote your favorite devotional. I'm talking about your favorite conference speaker, whoever that might be. I'm talking about elevating Christian leaders to an unrealistic spiritual plane of sanctity where they live above temptation. Can I tell you, despite the fact that we've cultivated a culture that has said or suggested that there are certain saints who live above temptation, that's a lie. All of us are tempted. All of us go through temptation. But I believe that this fallacy is one of the reasons why the church tends to shoot their wounded. Somebody goes through temptation. Somebody messes up. Somebody sins. A fallible person who is able to fall actually falls. And then we act so surprised. Oh, my goodness. We have to get them away from us. A leader, somebody we look up to, gets tempted to sin and sins, and then we cancel them forever. Imagine if folks did that to you, right? That wouldn't be good. Everyone sins. Everybody falls short, and that's why we pray this prayer. But you know what the spirit of religion does? Religion postulates as though this part of the prayer is completely unnecessary. Not me. I don't need to pray that. I mean, I pray all the other stuff Jesus taught me to pray, but when it comes to lead me not into temptation, I'm not going to pray that publicly. I'm holy. And I don't ever need to pray for deliverance. Come on, I do deliverance ministry. I don't, I, don't need, I don't need no freedom from the demonic. I'm good, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the spirit of religion talking. Uh, we look at this prayer as though it's completely unnecessary. And, and since sin is bad, uh, we must never admit to it, but not only sin, but even the temptation to sin. We can't even admit to that. And by, by not understanding temptation and its place in the spiritual life, we've created this religious environment where everybody has to pretend that temptation never happens to them. Have you guys noticed that? So it's just me. Temptation never happens to them, right? Like that's the way in which we've done church. So I've heard things, it's not not exact wording, but it kind of feels like this. Come on, we can't have non-perfect pastors in the church. I need a a perfect pastor in the pulpit if I'm going to go to church there. Uh, What I believe is happening is that we want shiny celebrity caricatures that could never be tempted to sin, but we want them to preach messages that make us feel better about our sin. Well, my pastor, my pastor should be so holy that he never even gets tempted, but I want him to preach messages every single week that make me feel better about how often I get tempted. And if he ever does give in to temptation, he's canceled. This is the cycle of religion, and this is why I said what I said earlier of like this. I think this is why we have this tendency to shoot our, wo- shoot our wounded, right? And these misbeliefs about temptation, I believe with all my heart, are wounding the church. Now, I've got a lot of friends who are pastors, and I'm not casting any shade, but I don't know a pastor that would stand up in the pulpit and say on Sunday morning, well, church, I'm going to be honest, I was really tempted to sin this week. So I just thought that, you know, maybe I would do that. Oh, no, you can't do that, Pastor, because that would be too honest and it might make some people uncomfortable. But you know what? It would be true. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, hey, look, you guys, as your pastor, I was tempted to sin this week. Wow. Yeah. Don't you say that. Don't you dare say that. 
I'm going to try this side. So you, you guys were kind of, listen, hey, I'm going to be honest. There was a, a few times this week I was tempted to sin. I was tempted. I was. I'm going to be honest with you. All right? So I'm just trying to, let's just ruin that mask. All right? If we, I'm going to be a church of authenticity. We're going to be a church of vulnerability. vulnerability. We're going to be a, a church that's real. We're not going to be religious. We're going to be real. Well, then we need to start getting honest about the reality that every single one of us, as the children of God, get tempted. It might make people uncomfortable to admit it, but it is the truth. And if we buy into this religious lie that, you know, pastors, leaders, conference speakers, authors, that they somehow have achieved this lifestyle of living on this spiritual plane of sanctity where they no longer deal with temptation. If we buy into that, we will see repeated again and again, something I see all the time on Instagram, which is people who are quote unquote shipwrecking their faith as a result of one of their spiritual leaders falling into sin. But the reason why that happens and they shipwreck their own faith is because they've exalted that leader to an unrealistic spiritual plane of sanctity where they live exempt of temptation, and it's not true. So before I move off of this point, I simply want to say, quitting Christianity because a leader's sin says more about your faith than it does about theirs. It's the truth. Because Jesus said, nobody comes to God the Father except through who? Jesus, him, right? So if our relationship with God is inappropriately tied to some unrealistic view of a human leader, no matter how big their sin is, they did not destroy your Christian faith because you probably didn't have Christian faith to begin with. You had a substitute Jesus. Because nobody can take you to God except for Jesus. You cannot have a real relationship with God through anybody but Jesus. And to attempt to have a relationship with God through any other man or woman of God is not biblical Christianity, but it is idolatrous heresy. And the cycle of it is just wounding the church. All right? You need to pray this prayer. Right? Lead us not. You know who else needs a phrase fair? Me. You know who else needs a phrase fair? Every other person who says that they are a Christian. All right, we need, we need to just like, just get humbled and just be honest. We're all tempted to sin. We all go through temptation. Even Jesus went through temptation. And I think that if we'll get honest about this and we'll demystify temptation, then we'll find some exuberant freedom. And this is the second point I want to make is that concealing temptation, it robs you of life. But revealing sin and temptation actually heals you. You know, confession is anti-religion. It's, it's, it's the exact opposite of what the enemy wants. In James chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. And then what's the result of that? So that you will be healed. So we've got to stop pretending that we don't go through temptations. I don't care how put together that you have it on a Sunday morning, I know you got tempted this week. And it's okay for you to be honest about that because when we are honest about that, we actually bring into the light the very thing the enemy's trying to convince us needs to stay in the closet. And as a result of bringing it to the light, 
We're honest with our brothers and sisters, and we share with them, hey, I'm a real human. You're a real human? Yeah, you're a real human. I'm a real human. Are we both dependent on daily bread? Yes, I am. Are you? Yes, we are. Okay, so we're both in the same position before God. Unless he shows up, we're going to walk into temptation, and unless he shows up, we're going to stay put in evil. And this is, how we, this is how we get free of all this, and this is why the enemy doesn't want it happening, because he knows that when you confess, you set yourself up to be healed. And that's why I said, no, 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 Con- conceal sin and pretend, 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 pretend that you're so Christian, you don't even get tempted. That's right. That's who I am. I don't even get tempted as a Christian. No, no, we need to be more honest about that. And one of the things I want you to know about temptation, this, this is point three of the message, is that God will never tempt anybody to sin. God will never, ever, ever tempt you to sin. I know some people, oh, God tempted me. No, God doesn't tempt tempt people uh, to sin, but he does allow Satan to test people. Uh, Think about it. Adam and Eve. God allowed Satan to test Adam and Eve. Think about Job. God allowed Satan to test Job. Think about Jesus. God allowed Satan to test Jesus, the 40 days he spent in the wilderness. You remember that? And then whenever Jesus stepped out of the wilderness, What did it say? He came out in the power of the Spirit. I know a lot of young people are wondering, uh, at least for me, a lot of young people ask me the question, Pastor, how do I get more anointed? You know what I've always said? You pray and fast. You pray and fast. You pray and fast because even when you look at Jesus' journey through the wilderness, whenever he steps out, the Bible says he comes out in power. That's anointing. And what did he do while he was there? He prayed and he fasted. But until this season, I have not recognized that there was a third thing that he did that brought the anointing and power upon his ministry, which was he resisted temptation. Listen, resisting temptation is an unsung hero of operation in a great anointing. We have to be able to recognize, I pray, I fast, I do all the things that God's called me to do. I'm obedient to him. But when temptation calls, declined. I, I told my friend Jason Peaks, he was in town this week. I said, you know, I'm starting to think that, that uh, my anointing will grow as I resist temptation. And I will only be as anointed as I am willing to resist temptation. I think this is important. God's never going to tempt you to sin. James 1.13 says, when tempted, nobody should ever say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God will never entice you to sin. That is the devil's work. All right? God is never going to entice you to sin. When you are tempted to sin, there are only three potential sources of temptation. You know what number one is? We've been talking about it. Satan. All right, we know that in 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking somebody to devour. So if you are tempted to sin, it's possible that one of the sources of temptation would be Satan. That's number one. Now, we know that. We know that. Okay, we get that. We know that. Um, I I told the first service this story. It just kind of popped into my head. But I remember when I was interning for my pastor in my early 20s in Texas, and uh, I went shoe shopping before church, and uh, this girl hit on me. And it was one of the first times that a girl had ever hit on me after I got saved. So I just froze up. (laughs) You know, she was real pretty, and she was like, what you doing tonight? And I was like, going to church? So what you doing after church? I'm like, hanging out with Christians. 
you want to go to church? You know, and as soon as I left there, I picked up the phone. I called my pastor. I said, pastor, the devil's after me. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what he said back? He said, what color dress did she have on? <laughs> like a true Louisiana pastor, right? So one of the sources of temptation could be Satan, all right? But you know one of the other sources of temptation? It could be your own unrighteous desires. It could be you and your own unrighteous desires. In James chapter 1, it says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and they are enticed. So it might be you saying, well, I want to do this thing. I want to do this thing. I want to do this thing. And this is what culture preaches. If it feels right, do it. Because if you desire it, well, then that's who you are. See, our culture has attached our desires to our identity. So if we want something bad enough, then we're supposed to believe that that's who we are, but that's not at all true. Because when we want things that are not right for us, the enemy's ready to entice us, to tell us, well, you might as well go ahead and give up now because the fact that I have called you with the scam likely means that you are already in trouble. Right? Because that's what the enemy suggests whenever we're tempted. Hey, you, if you were holy, you wouldn't even be tempted. If you had any ability to resist temptation, this wouldn't even come up on your radar, the devil says. See, you want to do this. And then you might be thinking, I kind of do want to pick up the scam likely. Wonder who's on the other side of it. I wonder what they're going to say. You, you with me, church? He's like, okay, yeah, 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 okay. So then the enemy's like, hey, I want to entice you. Go ahead and do that, man. You're not going to be able to resist it. There's no way that you can. There's no way you can get free of this. There's no way anybody's coming to help you. Come on, look at you, man. You go to church on Sunday. You pretend like you are a Christian, man, some Christian that you are, because I bet you your brothers in Christ, they never deal with this. Man, if, you, if your pastor knew that you were going through this, man, he would kick you right out of the church, bro. Is that not what we hear? Right? But that's why James says, confess these things. Put these things out in the light so that you can be healed. But then he goes on and says, after your desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin. So what happens when conception happens? You got to partner with it. Are you with me? You got to partner with it. You got to receive it. You got to say, okay, yep, I'm going to go ahead and and, and, and receive this temptation, and I'm going to choose to receive it, and I'm going to partner with it, and therefore I have conceived sin, and what happens eventually? It gives birth to sin. And what happens after you give birth to sin? Eventually, when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. See, James is laying out the sequence of temptation unto sin. When you're tempted... You may have a desire to sin, but you've got to reject the call. You've got to say, nope, 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 I'm not into that. I don't want it. Not going to happen. Goodbye. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you, right? But if you do, then your desires have given birth to sin. And James says that just like a child, sin is going to grow up, and it's going to produce death in you. So it's like raising an exotic animal. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen like those shows more recently about exotic animals. I came, Tiger King or whatever it is. Dude, I tried. I couldn't. It was just too dark. It was, I couldn't do it. Don't do it. I, I, I mean, somebody in here is like, man, I loved it, man. We, we, I, I love that show. 
<laughs> we're all on a journey, okay? <laughs> we all have different measures of conviction. I couldn't do it. I tried. But you, it, it, there, was like a, there was like a point, man, there was like a, a woman, she got her whole arm like eaten off. So I think it was, or ripped off or something. So this week when I read this scripture, I was like, man, so like, you know, if, when you give birth to sin, it's like a little sin junior. It's like a little exotic animal. Man. It's cheetahs, real cute. You know, a little lion cub, man, so cute. Man, look at the little lion cub, man. We're taking selfies together, man. Look at this little lion cub. See, James is saying that's what happens whenever you conceive sin. You just adopt an exotic animal. Oh, yeah, this is, this is so great. It ain't no problem. It ain't no, I don't even feel bad about it. At first I did, but now I've convinced myself that it's okay because other people are doing it too. So it's all good. So I got this little thing here. I'm going to go out and feed it every now and then. Do you know how many people have raised exotic animals for that animal to grow up and eat them? I Googled it this week. It's a lot. It's a lot, because I read the script, I was like, whoa, man, this happens a lot, you know? But what we don't realize is that we're doing this constantly with sin. We give birth to a little sin junior. Man, look at little sin junior. We just feeding them, you know? This ain't no big deal. I don't even feel convicted about it anymore. In fact, I found my tribe. I went on the internet. I found some message boards of other people who are raising exotic animals. So there's plenty of us out there. I feel accepted by them. So I'm going to keep doing this. And then what happens? That exotic animal man grows up to eat you out of house and home and eventually eat you. Yeah, that's what James is saying. Hey, be careful. Be careful trying to domesticate sin. That, that, ain't, that ain't what's happening. It's like, it's, like get, it's like getting a scam call, answering it, just doing whatever they say and say, hey, man, you want to move in with me? You seem like a trustworthy guy. <laughs> You with me? That's temptation. That's where it starts. That's where it eventually gets. But the other place, uh, the other source of temptation, you know, can actually be friends and other sinners. It, it might not be Satan, and it might not be your own desires, but it also might be the wrong people. Hanging out with the wrong people. Psalm 1 and 1 said, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. That's eternal, timeless wisdom from the first verse in the first chapter of Psalms. Blessed is the man. You know what blessed means? It means happy. Is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. You know what that means? Stop taking advice, spiritual advice, from people who do not have a relationship with God that you aspire towards. No, dude, I don't need your counsel, man. I don't want it. I'm good. I mean, I, I can eat the meat and spit out the bones, but like when I'm looking for wise counsel, I'm not looking to sinful people right? And also he says, don't stand in the way of sinners, meaning don't hang out and go along with the plans of sinful people. If, if you know they're plotting evil, you say, man, I am out. And, and don't let like contemporary cultural Christianity try to convince you otherwise. Oh yeah, it's all good, man. I'm going to go to the bar with you. We're going to take some shots of tequila and I'm going to evangelize. Hold on, wait, what? Well, yeah, yeah, because Jesus was a friend of sinners. Yeah, he was a friend of sinners, but he never sinned. But he never, you're forgetting that part, but he never sinned. Are you with me? So we got to consider these things because there are times in which people will entice us to sin. The last part is don't sit in the seat of scoffers. You know what a scoffer is? Somebody who makes light of righteousness. I, I told LSM second year this, uh, this, this past week about this. Would you hang out with somebody who constantly makes fun of your mama? Y'all went quiet. Okay, well, I wouldn't. I'm going to tell you right now, man, you're talking about my mama, bro. 
We ain't going to be friends no more. But we'll hang out with people who, uh, who trash our church all day. Let me tell you why I don't like your church. I don't even need to know why you don't like my mama. Goodbye. Right? Cyprian of Carthage said, it is impossible for any believer to have God as their father and not have the church as their mother. Right? This is mom. All right? This is your family. This is your covenant spiritual household. So you don't sit in the seat of a scoffer. No, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in anybody making fun of preachers, pastors, the Bible, scriptures, men of God, women of God, church, ministry. I'm not interested. I'm good. I don't want any of that gossip because I want to be kept from temptation. So here's the last point. Number four is temptation does not deserve a response from you. Decline that call every time. No matter how long they knock on the door, say, nope, you are not welcome here. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, back to where we were at the start. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So just know, it's not, it's not uncommon. I go through temptation. You go through temptation. Pastor Allison goes through temptation. You're, you're, whoever, whoever your heroes of the faith are, they go through temptation, I promise you. It's common to us all. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And if you feel today I'm being tempted beyond my ability, then you are receiving an upgrade from the Lord about the ability that he says that you have. God doesn't put a demand where he has not placed the deposit. And so if you're feeling stretched, just know God believes in you so much more than you believe in him. He's, he, knows, he knows what he's put in you. He's not going to let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, get this, he will always provide the way of escape. You may not see the hatch. You may not see the escape hatched in the midst of your temptation. But I promise you, if you'll pray, God will reveal it to you through prayer. There is always an escape from temptation that you may be able to endure it and you can always get through it. Always, you can always get through it. So no matter how impossible a temptation may feel to overcome, just know that. You're never going to be tempted beyond your ability. There will always be a way for you to escape, and God will always grant grace for you to endure it. All right, let's stand. We're going to pray. James 4 and 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I, I want to I pray right now for, um, uh, for a security update for your spiritual life. I, I know that may sound a little bit crazy, but, um, you know, when we were building out this building, uh, every time you turned around, I felt like they were telling us, you need another camera here, you need, you need another update here, you need another... Um, key fob here, you need, a, you, need the, you need that, you need this, you need that. And, you know, we didn't realize that, but with every season that our church grew, we needed a security update. And I think for some of us as believers, one of the things that we do sometimes is we get so used to opening the door to temptation that we forget about the fact, man, we can actually update the security protocols in my spiritual life today. I can decide, man, this door stays locked. Facial recognition ID. I'm not letting any demons in. You with me? 
It's just like, I just feel like there's something happening uh, today where there's going to be an update in the security protocol of your spiritual life where you are allowed to say no to temptation and you are going to silence the voice of the accuser by faith that he will no longer be able to heap guilt and shame upon you for sins that you've never committed, but that you would be strengthened with righteousness. You know, me and Landon were praying this morning, uh, early this morning, and we were praying for the spirit of might. It just hit us today. We, we just received revelation about the spirit of might, just a spirit of strength. And if you need strength today because you feel like you've just been blown over time and time again by the strength of the enemy, I want you to know that God has strength for you. So just for a moment, just close your eyes, bow your heads. I pray right now for strength over our, our community, our, uh, our family, God. I pray for strength to endure temptation. I pray for wisdom to see the escape of every single time the enemy says that we are being tempted. And Lord, let us, let us have wisdom. Let us discern what source the temptation comes to us from. If it's the enemy, may we rebuke him. And may we not just rebuke him in our own strength, but may we say, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. And, and if that is from our own desires, God, I pray that you would touch our hearts today and that you would give us grace uh, to make a shift, even in our desires. I pray for a supernatural shifting in the desire of your heart. You don't have a cold heart of stone anymore. The Bible says you have a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh is pliable. It's, it's movable. It's mendable. And today the great physician just takes hold of your heart and just begins to speak life over your desires. That's what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. It's with all of your desires. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us a greater desire for you. And if, there are, and if there's friends that you got that you know are not healthy for your spiritual life, I pray that the Lord would give you wisdom in how to interact with them. I'm not saying get rid of them or throw them in the trash, but what I am saying is, is that, the, that the Lord of wisdom would give you wisdom as to how to steward those relationships. So Lord, we thank you for giving us grace to overcome temptation. We thank you for the spirit of God resting upon our lives as your sons. And we all pray now, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.